0: All right. So just so y'all know, this recording will be posted on my website and it'll be accessible later if you would like it to be. And this PDF that I'm working off of, I'll pull it up as I go through different pieces. Overall, this workshop's really focused on helping you become a tactical presenter. Now, a big piece of that is not necessarily about your story and crafting what you say on stage, it's more about prepping how to get on stage, how to present in the way that will engage the audience the most, and then how to actually convert and produce results coming off of that. So a lot of it, obviously, it's about a 20-page workbook. We may or may not get through it all depending on how engaged y'all are with it and how much we talk. We might not even go two hours. I just kind of spitball in the two-hour timeframe because why the hell not? I don't have anything better to do with my Tuesday morning. So this will be a, a great two hours that we get to sit here and chit-chat. I do. I know we have a few of y'all. If y'all want, we can take a second. I think all of y'all, Richie knows me, Carly. I know we've met here and there, but just so y'all have a heads up, this is coming from my experience as a speaker and a presenter and a podcaster, really. And instead of calling it the prepping to become a speaker or prepping to become a podcaster, podcast host, podcast guest, I really wanted to highlight how to be a presenter and as a presenter, I have really kept this broad. So it's a broad stroke where you can apply a lot of this stuff to in person, whether it's workshops, a team meeting, speaking at a conference, or if it's virtually. So if you're speaking at a virtual conference, there's still a lot of those happening. Or if you're getting on a podcast as a podcast guest, these are all things to prep for and have ready and accessible Another follow-on workshop that I would like to do at some point is actually crafting your story. How do you create the story and the conversation you're having on stage? That'll be the follow-on piece. If anybody is wanting to, would y'all like to introduce yourselves on mute and give us a rundown of who you are so we all know who's in the room? Dave, I'll let you go first since you're already unmuted.
1: <laughs> Appreciate that. Hey, Dave Hauser, recent transplant down to Atlanta from Connecticut Work with an agency called Unique Advantage, where we help people wrap their head around their money and how to get better use and more efficiency out of what they're doing without Wall Street.
0: Absolutely. And Richie, Carly, I can introduce y'all as EPM, if y'all aren't familiar. I know Jen and Dave, you made it to the last one where we had Donnie at the office over at the Queen Tower, the EPM folks. Richie, I saw you blink off. Do you want to give a rundown of you and EPM? Yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, Carly and I, we both work for the sales team here in Atlanta. We work for a company that we're licensed in all 50 states and US territory. Of course, now what we're trying to do is get involved with all what what SAC is doing for the veteran community that I love that part. So yeah, like you guys know, like anytime you guys need something with EPM, we're a mortgage company, we can facilitate our programs to be able to help the veteran community to get the dream house in the future.
3: Well said, Richie.
2: (laughs) Carly
0: nailed it. (laughs) You can add something if you want. Sorry.
3: (laughs) No, you you nailed it.
0: So great job. (laughs) So Carly's the brains behind their operations we know. Jen, how about you?
3: So we're just introducing ourselves?
0: Yep. Yep. Just give us a rundown of who you are.
3: Okay. My name is Jennifer Wright. I am a book writer and publisher. I help authors, or have business leaders to become published authors, thereby promoting their businesses and growing their visibility in their industry.
0: And she is also the one that helped me edit, write, publish this beauty right here. The book that I released about a month ago, got some, a lot of books that are being shipped out this week. So excited about that. Tell there she is. She came on camera for it. Scary and terrifying.
3: I know. Um, (laughs) I am like so gross right now. I just got done working out. Hey guys, I'm Taylor, owner of Daddy Tate Fitness, health and wellness coach. So I typically help busy executives who travel a lot and with life events. I help them craft their lifestyles in a healthy manner from fitness, exercise, nutrition, and keep them involved in the community.
0: And she is the beer shotgun queen. Just for Carly and Richie's benefit, Jamie was on the Oh, uh, I
3: can attest to that. I have a video. You <laughs> do. <laughs> um, you're the proof. Yeah. I'm the proof. I've never seen anything like it. And I'm gonna remember it forever. So
0: <laughs> Jamie and Rosa were on the shop talk last night that we had, and it was brought up and it was a topic of conversation about how to align your vision and your values with destroying people's man card, pretty much. And We all know Jamie lost his that day. So it was wonderful and a good joke that will forever live forward in video infamy. So awesome. I'll dive into this. So just kind of conceptualizing what we have in the room. We have a financial guy. Well, I guess three financial folks. One that focuses on overall personal growth investments and really helping you spend your money right. Carly Richie, y'all are focused on helping people make the right decisions for one of the biggest investments they make in their lives. Jen is helping people get their voice, their story out there. And then Taylor is really focused on that health and wellness space and being in front of a lot of people with a, an awesome new client that she got with 235 new customers all at once. So it's a big old lump of new customers and really focus on different pieces of helping their health and wellness. So a big piece of what this presentation is, I'm going to screen share as I talk through a little bit. So if y'all don't know, the Army and the military as a whole loves acronyms. So I came up with this acronym, PREP, to become a tactical presenter. And it's all about these steps, uh, essentially four steps attached to becoming a tactical presenter and really helping different pieces. What we're going to cover today is these pieces of what presenting is, the objectives and the goals for today. Overall, what is presenting? We're going to talk about what it is and what it's not and how to understand both of those attached to actually being a tactical presenter. The four-step process that I've really outlined is the pitch, prepping the pitch to get you on stage, to get you in front of people. I'm going to... If there's insights and conversation I want to have around this piece, so we can craft it directly for you. Dave, Jen, and Taylor, I know y'all are working towards podcasts. Richie, Carly, if it's something that helps y'all toward getting in front of a room or presenting something, or even the sales conversations, right? It's essentially... Trying to craft that piece of what you're pitching appropriately to the people you're in front of, then researching, extracting, and producing, and really focusing on getting those results, getting those conversions. The first piece of it, and I love actual definitions of words. And as I was putting all this presentation together, it's really focused on presenting. And there are so many different pieces of present, presented, presence, different things that I was kind of laughing as all the Websterisms attached to what presenting is and what it means. And what I've really boiled it down to is, essentially, it's a gift. You're giving a gift to somebody. You're offering for observation, examination, or consideration, you're displaying, you're showing, you're affording or furnishing a situation presented with a chance to improve somebody's knowledge, turning a position in the direction of another, so that way you're facing them, essentially face of camera, represent or depict in a certain manner, to introduce, especially with formal ceremony. I mean, in the military, that was a big piece that we always had to present arms essentially, right? Or you had to present and salute and then hold a carrier point in a particular manner as a citation sign of honor. So, as a definition of what presenting is, it's a bunch of different things that aren't necessarily what we conceptualize as speaking. We don't conceptualize it as being a podcast guest, we don't conceptualize it necessarily as being in front of a room. But at the end of the day, you're giving this gift, right? So I've really broken down the definition of presenting. In simple terms, it means you are giving a gift. You're proving your audience. Oh, let me get a spell checker in here. Dang it, Jen, you missed the spell check on this one for me. You're providing your audience with an opportunity to receive a message, to receive you and learn from you. And looking closely at the definitions, the theme is that you're offering up something to be examined, something to be learned, something to be received. And it's your job as a presenter to make sure the audience understands what a great gift you're giving them, the gift of your knowledge and gift of your experience. It also means you have the opportunity to show them exactly what you need and what you want them to see. I mean, you have the opportunity to truly highlight a value system to them that they may never have understood or even been aware of before, which means you also have a gift of creating the result that both you and the audience can benefit from. A big piece as I talk to a big thing that is when I talk to potential podcast guests, people that want to come on a podcast, I have this happen all the time. And as I've started doing more in-person events, I've had this happen a lot. People essentially craft the assumption that they are ready to get on a stage and they're ready to get on a podcast. They're ready to get in front of people. And there are several things that I noticed that are missing, which is actually where this workshop came from. There are several people that don't have certain things in order to optimize for their time. A great example, I had somebody reach out to me virtually and said, Oh, I love your podcast. And they've never listened to it. Generally speaking, there's a way to reference that, Hey, I listened to this episode. I really enjoyed this part of your podcast. But essentially it was something along the lines of, they're just trying to get on a podcast. They've been on one or two at most. They didn't give me references attached to that. And they wanted to hop on a podcast where I'm about 400 episodes in. I've had some really amazing people. But I, I get hit up all the time about people that want to be on my podcast. So I'm not short any guests, right? What they didn't do is they didn't understand that there are things to have in place that optimize for me, for the audience, and for the individual. And this is a lot of what we're talking about. We're going to talk about how do you propose pieces to make it where somebody wants you on their podcast, wants you on their stage, wants you in front of the room. Does is anybody, I, I know a couple of these answers from some of y'all, do y'all have any thoughts attached to that? Have y'all ever tried to get in front of a room and been told no, or have y'all been meeting a brick wall attached to getting on podcasts or getting on stages more and maybe don't so, know why? Y-
1: yes. So that ha- that's happened to me a couple of times. And a lot of it was due to, I was that person. It's like trying to get on as many podcasts and talk to as many people as possible. And it was like, I didn't really look in what the podcast was actually about. And then when I'm talking to the person, I'm like, "Ah, this is not a good match. So do all the prep work way in advance before you reach out to them.
0: Yeah. And and it's an interesting thing. It's simple stuff that you can do to make you more appealing, right? Not just to the facilitator. You're going to hear me say facilitator a lot. So that could be a facilitator could be the podcast host, the MC or the the person that runs the stage that you want to get on. So if you want to get into speaking engagements, I'm going to talk a lot about different stages. I want you to think about, it could be the sales team's manager, right? It could be Frank at EPM. He could be the one that makes that decision. Who's going to put you in front of people. It could be the person that put together a conference, the conference host. But we can go even to smaller stages, look at the Rotaries, the Lions Club, the business associations the facilitator is the person that puts you on the calendar, essentially. So the decision maker say yes or no. So when you hear me say facilitator, that's who I want you to envision, whether it's the host of a podcast, the manager that's deciding things for you, or the person that's plain and simply is going to put you on the calendar and give you that yes, essentially the decision maker, right? So big piece that we start with is the proposal and really thinking about I'm gonna go back to the screen share real quick, really thinking about this proposal, right? Before you begin approaching people, you wanna make sure that you understand that your proposal your pitch is what it is to the facilitator. What's your unique proposition? What is the piece that you can offer to the facilitator and their audience that essentially gives them the opportunity to tell you yes. Good way to think about it is what you have to offer and to properly sell yourself is to create a guest one sheet or a media kit. One sheet exactly what it sounds like, a one sheet marketing pitch about you. So it really focuses on your unique proposition. And does anybody want to give me an idea of what they believe their unique proposition currently is? Any thoughts attached to it? Perfect. I love the feedback. I was, Taylor, I was going to yell at Taylor the whole time. No,
1: I got one. So I, was, I had this idea months ago about barbells money and other fun things about people and those all are things that tie my life together like yep. my coaching background and tr- like taylor and i have the training background how finances and, and exercise basically go together like they're the same principles apply to both and then just have some other fun facts about people and have that share so get like relatable and then just kind of how to figure out how to tie that all in was just like but i never really got off the ground because i didn't know where to start
0: Yeah, and I did something similar in the early days of business ownership. Back when I launched my security firm, and that was my main focus, when I thought my unique proposition, my value prop to getting on stage and getting in front of people were all my credentials. I have a CPP, a PSP, an MBA in small business operation and in security management. I I thought the alphabet behind my name was going to be the value prop right? I'm certified. I was a police officer, I was army, I did X, Y, and Z. I have the credentials, right? What I recognize very quickly is so do a lot of other people. A lot of other people have those same quote unquote propositions, value propositions, but they weren't unique to me. A cop or a veteran that started a security firm, that's not unique. That's about a dime a dozen, right? So looking at our backgrounds, thinking about what makes us unique is something that you have to figure out how to stand out in the crowd, right? I mean, it goes into several different aspects of like your values, your mission, what you want to accomplish in the world. But we have to go beyond, I know with EPM, go beyond the mortgage lending, right? You're wanting to get into one of the big things that Vince and Carp talk about is focusing on the veteran renovation loan. Not just the VA loan, but a renovation loan that shifts the dynamic attached to what veterans can do. Jen's talked a lot about helping authors along their journey, really crafting their story. But the unique proposition of like what Jen brings to the table, being a book writer, editor, publisher, is she had, she was formerly an executive coach and is very heavy into process management. And she literally creates a step by step process attached to writing a book. And when that was one of the big things that actually helped me write my book was that Jen outlined step one, step two, step three, step four, step five in a very structured way where a lot of creatives, I don't necessarily see myself as a creative until you go and write a book. And then all of a sudden, it's all these ideas that it's really hard to conceptualize into a line item order, if that makes sense. So her value prop, her unique piece attached to that is like, hey, I can make this a really easy process for you to accomplish writing a book. So the unique value prop is something that really shifts different for identifying beyond being a publisher, beyond being a personal trainer, what makes you unique in that space. The first piece of that that really helps you identify these things is listing three topics of interest that make you stand out from a crowd? And that is this first question on, I'm on page six, it looks like, listing three topics of interest that make you stand out from a crowd. Examples from me is that, think of these as your potential speaking topics, right? What would you, if you were a guest on a podcast, what would you suggest they be, right? If you were going to get in front of a room, what would you be talking about? What are those topics? My three topics of interest that make me stand out from the crowd is, one of my speeches, one of my conversations is leading yourself before you lead others. That self-mastery piece, a lot of what my book's about. Developing your battle-ready mindset. Battle, B-A-T-L, being my acronym for Be Tactical Leader. So developing your battle-ready mindset. And then legacy, ending with why. A lot of people know Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why. I've shifted that and the series of books I'm writing are all about legacy The one I just released is Legacy of Love. The next one is Legacy of Leadership. The third one is going to be Legacy, Ending with Why. And starting with why is a phenomenal thing, but it gets you going now. As you get going, shifting that to ending with why and really focusing on your legacy. What are you going to leave at the end? Why are you doing this for the next 30 or 40 years? right. Those are the three topics of interest that make me stand out in a crowd. So they end up and I have a one sheet I have my media kit farther down in this piece that I'll highlight for y'all and show y'all how I intermingle that into the conversations. But if I'm going to get on a stage, I'm going to get on a podcast. Those are the three leading topics of interest that are my own topics, right? They're a little bit of a shift off of Simon Sinek. Start with why, but the battle ready mindset is a big piece for me, right? It's branded to myself, very unique and make me stand out. Did anybody come up with three that you'd like to share? Well, I have one.
2: I think for me, I'm not really good like talking in front of people. <laughs> Actually, this webinar probably will help me to start doing that. But I will say creating that trust between you and the audience, I think that's really important when you want people to listen to you. So I think that's important. Love it. I need to think about the other two. Love it. Uh, Taylor Does pops up. Go ahead.
3: One of my favorites, and it's like I live by, it, is putting your name on it. There's so much more behind that, but putting your name on everything that you do is kind of like owning who you are, what you do, and how you do it. It's essentially a sense of like giving a hundred percent everything that you do. Everyone, you know, essentially, when you put your name on that, it helps people see how you show up, and essentially, that just falls into why they buy into you. Yeah,
0: absolutely. Love it. And I know we've talked a lot about that as we've crafted for you topics for you to speak on. So I love that. And it is very unique because until you have a little bit of explanation behind it, you might not know what the hell you're talking about. Right. So it is a nice, unique, catchy topic. Carly, I saw you on you Go ahead.
3: Yeah. Richie and Taylor, those were great. I was just, I mean, yeah, don't mistake my silence for like, you know, just off on the side. I, I honestly like find this like really interesting. And I just realized like, I need to think about this stuff. So I don't really have anything on top of my mind, but it's like, it's kind of like, you know, is like what makes you like stand out? Like, what's your story? What are you offering that's like different? And what can you bring like value to other people? I think that's awesome. So I want to think about it.
0: Nice. Thanks for the feedback. And just so I don't think I said this earlier, I know this is a PDF at this point. I, have, I will have a fillable PDF that I will send out to y'all if y'all want it. So I know taking notes or printing it out might not be doable at the moment, but I do have that option if y'all want that when we're wrapped up. So no, I appreciate that, Carly. It'll be good. Once you think through those three op- three topics of interest, the next thing I want you to think about is three specific skills and experiences that make you successful at what you do. So these are essentially the backing, the piece that lets those topics ring true and gives you the backing, right? What's the street cred attached to those topics that interest you? for me, a big piece is leading my company and life based on my own values. I'm really highlighting that for uh, some of y'all might not know. My last name at birth was not Knight. It's actually my stepdad's name. and I took his name when I was 15 and shifted several different things, but he's the only father I know. He's the only one. My biological father left when my mom was pregnant. So I only know my dad as the knight. So I took his name. What's interesting is I shifted over the years. The values of a knight really somehow became ingrained in me from being that protector. right? Wanting to be that police officer, the military, wanting to be there for people that needed help. And it went so far as to like, I put it on my skin, right? I got the armor tattooed on me. So really leading that piece and providing that level of help is a big piece of the skills and experiences that I have that let me talk about something like leading yourself before you lead others. Further in that is being a police officer, being a SWAT operator, an infantry officer, deploying to the Green Berets. All those things kind of lead back into the battle-ready mindset, right? How do you develop a battle-ready mindset? Leading yourself, it backs that up. And then the third skill and experience is disagreeing with the mindset of many current trends. And I put that kind of as a bullet to further explain that the David Goggins of the world, Simon Sinek. I disagree with Simon Sinek. David, David Goggins has a, a mindset in the military space. If y'all don't know David Goggins, he's the only man that is a PJ with the Air Force, an Army Ranger, and a Navy SEAL. The only guy that has all three of those qualifications, the top three qualifications for each of those branches, he's the only man to do it in history. Or when he did it, I, I don't know if anybody else has at this point, but when he first did it uh, back in the 2010s, he was the first person to, to do it. His mindset is can't hurt and you know, just man up, right? Essentially, he goes and runs 100 mile races, breaks both feet, pees blood for a week. And at some point, is probably going to fall over. And his whole mindset is just, oh, just suck it up, buttercup, right? I disagree. I don't like that mindset of compartmentalizing pain attached to things. And I think it actually creates a a toxic mindset, right? So I have experience attached to disagreeing with the Goggins of the world. Simon Sinek, Leaders Eat Last. I reference this in my book, actually. There's a big piece attached to being a leader where you have to take care of yourself first. Think about if an airplane goes down, they always say, grab your oxygen mask, put it on you first before you go and help other people right? If you don't help yourself, you can't help other people. So thinking about leaders that eat last, I actually saw it in the military. I had one of my right-hand guys, one of my enlisted guys, my platoon sergeant pulled me aside, and I was always putting the guys first. Go eat first, go sleep first, I'll stay up. And one of the things that he highlighted for me is that if I always ate last, i always rested last, that means I'd get the least amount of food, the least amount of sleep. But the position I had was the most important. I was the one that was doing the battle strategies the battle plans. I was writing the operation orders. I was the one actually doing all the strategic piece. And if I was failing to get sleep and if I was failing to get food and actually fuel my body properly, I wouldn't have the wherewithal to actually plan a safe operation for my guys, right? So he really highlighted that you have to sometimes be selfish enough with yourself put yourself forward and eat first and don't just adhere to the whole leaders eat last piece of it. Right. Does anybody have any skills and experiences that make you successful at what you do that kind of back up those topics that y'all want to share with us?
1: One of the things that stood out, but what I hated when I was coaching was the boss would tell you to do something. He would go off and do something else. Like you do and you're paying your dues or whatever. When it came time to taking over my program, that was never going to happen. I did all the dirty work with them. I cleaned, I cleaned the weight room. I did all the dirty shit too. And we did it together. And it, was, it helped build the camaraderie with... That's what I wanted to be a part of. Just roll up your sleeves and do the dirty work. And that's the same approach I take with clients these days. Yeah. Love it. Taylor, how
0: about
3: you? I just think... I mean, other topics like building the daddy mindset and branding with authenticity, obviously, that's kind of in the name, but just... How, from how I grew up, all three topics kind of explain my story. How I grew up, there's nothing ever given to me, which I respect that. It builds character and it and it shows who you are and how you work. I and mean, just giving hundred percent everything that you do, it's a self-respect thing. And ultimately it leads to confidence not only in yourself, but to help build that in other people. And it tells you really, like based on your values, it tells you, who you align with, and the business that you're going to bring in, which is actually a huge compliment to yourself. So all of those topics just kind of explain not only your background, but where you're going. And, you're, and I ultimately feel like your trage- trajectory, if I could say that word. So
0: Love it. Love it. The next piece of this really feeds into both of those things, right? And you'll start highlighting with this next question, you start crafting this story and this unique proposition for yourself, right? The next piece is to list two things in your business that make you the happiest and are things you love talking about. That one is a really interesting one to me, but it's always fascinating to watch when people start talking about something. They get on their soapbox, quote unquote, and they get off on this tangent, but they're lit up the entire time they're talking. You know, they're sitting there oh, having a good conversation, kind of blah, blah, blah. And then you ask a question and they light up and they're like, oh, and they start rattling off information about something those are the things you want to think about things you love talking about for me those two things is i love interacting and coaching clients in business and mindset one of the things i found is i've become more of a business coach and i've consulted with more companies whatever's happening in their head whether it's the personal life or the business life whatever's happening in their head is feeding into the business and back and forth whatever's happening in business is going to feed into your personal life I'm one of those that does not believe in a work life balance. I don't think that is something that is actually feasible. What I do believe is in an integrated life. I believe in integrating your work into your life and your life into your work, right? That split and separation, I don't think is feasible for a lot of us, especially business owners. A lot of people that are really on that grind to build and grow, it's really hard to keep those things separate. As I tried to do that for 15 years with the police, And military, that compartmentalization piece, it's like you flip the switch off. You come home, you take the uniform off, and then you just check out. Well, if you completely do that, there's no way for you to actually mend the mind attached to what you had to deal with at work, right? You don't process things. You don't ever work through those things, which is they don't teach you that in the military. They don't teach you that in law enforcement. You just end up locking it in the closet, closing the door, and all of a sudden it bubbles up volcanoes and explodes later, right? So I love interacting and, and coaching clients on their business and their mindset. Another thing I love to discuss are tactics that I use. And I love being asked about different pieces of my experience. I love when I can get on a podcast. I love being interviewed on a podcast, being a guest on a podcast. I love hosting my own podcast, but I love getting on a podcast and people asking because they'll find something fascinating about my story that I'm like, ah, I don't think anything of it. They're like, oh, wow, that's really cool. And I'll go off on a tangent and kind of reminisce, if you will. Right. Same thing when I'm presenting. I am very interactive with the audience. I very rarely will just ramble and talk for 30 minutes unless I'm told to do so. I love having engagement from the audience, whether it's virtually or if it's in person. So I love garnering that Q and A and creating a culture within a conversation attached to free and open conversation and communication. I think that's the best way for all of us to learn. Ask questions and ask really good questions. So I love when somebody does ask questions of me of what tactics I'm using, what my experience was. I feel like I can get some good answers attached to that when I'm crafting this type of conversation, if that makes sense. Does anybody, did anybody come up with those two things that make you the happiest and that you love talking about in your business? Yeah, of course, Zach. I think for
2: me being bilingual in this country, that that gives me the opportunity to help my community same as you're doing with the veteran community so that for me is really important in the past when i was like a kid i used to play professional soccer and that i can't believe how many doors being a professional soccer right now is up you know like it's open like too many doors that every time i meet like new people i try to like have this conversation present myself telling them about what I did in the past and yeah, like creating those relationships that,
0: you know, that that's what I love to do. So yeah, I think those two things are really important in what I'm doing right now. Yeah. I love that piece. I know that's a big piece in the Hispanic community here in Atlanta. I know that's a big piece that you're working on. And I keep hearing about, I think that's a great value add, right? It makes you really relatable, especially with the world cup happening right now. That was a crazy last game that I saw this past weekend. So many different things happening. Go ahead, Rich. Yeah, I'm sorry. No, 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 that you're right. I think that last game was the
2: best soccer game I ever watched in my life. So yeah. <laughs> good that you mentioned that.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, but knowing that that was part of your background, knowing that, especially being bilingual, you're able to have those conversations, thinking about things you love talking about that might not necessarily be business related, except at EPM, what do y'all do? Y'all go to the Atlanta United games and you're, com- you're creating watching and going to those games with y'all have the suite up there y'all bring in people that are partners people in your community people that you want to say thank you to that's why frank invited me vince invited me just different things we're doing and it shifts that piece but you're able to integrate that piece right there's your integrated life now you're able to bring work into a passion and a purpose of soccer and have that conversation and have that venue so it's a great way to kind of look at it and intermingle. There's your integrated life. Soccer, things you love talking about, they expand a community, and you're able to engage in a different way that lets you create that trust like you're talking about, that authenticity with the audience. Does anybody else have two things they come up with and they want to share? All right. Yeah. Good. So real, real quick,
1: Zach. It's always funny talking to people about how I transitioned from coaching college athletics to what I do now. You know, and people are stunned when I tell them I'm basically doing the same thing I still coach and do all these things. And it's a mentoring is a big part of what I do. I do it for clients just like I did it for kids before and young coaches. So it's like I still do the same thing. I've been doing it for the last 30 years of my life. So just adding that to the transition part makes it not seem as wild as people think it is.
0: Yeah. I love that because I I know a lot of what we've talked about is you're trying to integrate that into each piece of that, right? Like you're bringing that experience as a coach, you're bringing that experience and that piece you've done into now facilitating the financials, right? You're kind of blending those two pieces. Right, right. And
1: then the other side is, you know, for all those years, it was, I was at somebody else's beck and call. And now now it's building a life that I have freedom to do the things that I want to do whenever I want to do it and work with the people that I choose to do it with. So tying that all together, those are two different topics, but.
0: No, I love it. I love it. It's what you're passionate about and you're bringing that into it, man. I love it. The next piece that I want y'all to think about, and this one might be a little bit more difficult for folks, if y'all haven't thought about this before, but writing down two or three stories that were turning points in your life, in your epiphany moments. Now, when you look at these four pieces of your unique proposition, and you look at the last three things we were just talking about, generally speaking, there are going to be a couple stories that align with what we were just talking about. Those three topics of interest, those three skills and experiences, and the two things in your business and your life that you love talking about. Generally speaking, there is going to be a turning point in your life, an epiphany moment where that was crafted. Right, All of a sudden, you're like, oh man, I could tell a story about this time and that's where these unique propositions come from right and this is that's where when you when you start pitching to get on stages you get in front of people these are the stories you end up start telling so those first three are essentially building blocks leading into these epiphany moments for me, a couple of epiphany moments were launching my podcast and my book for me it was a big thing of and it's still crazy I kind of laugh about it I laughed about it when I was creating this workbook. But when I launched my book, I had a book signing in November with old Jennifer Wright over there. And we did a a live podcast interview at the Buckhead Club. And we had about about 30 people show up to the book signing. But we did the live uh, podcast and then we shifted into a QA and a piece. And people started asking me questions that were directly out of the book. Like on page, blah, blah, blah. You said this, this, and this. Can you explain this further? And I was like shocked. I'm like, one, the book came out like three days ago. How the hell did you read that much already? And come to find out, they had like special ordered it, overnighted it off Amazon and read a couple chapters, read different pieces of the book in prep for the book signing. So they could ask these questions. An epiphany moment for me, there's like, holy shit, somebody read my book, right? No different than when I launched my podcast. It's like, holy shit, people are listening. Where I had to shift and my epiphany moment was people actually do want to hear what you have to say. You just have to find one, what to say, which is what we're working on. And another piece that we're going to talk in a little bit is who are you saying it to, right? Who's your audience? And really finding those people that you can say it to. And the podcast was the first awareness piece of that because I've had it for, oh, lordy, a little bit over three years now. Thinking about when I first launched it, I didn't... I was in a mastermind. They told me I had to launch a podcast. I didn't want to launch a podcast. Like Nobody's going to listen to me ramble on a podcast And they shaped it in a way, hey, go launch a podcast based on learning more about leadership. You have the tactical background. You love leadership. You're Dale Carnegie certified. You've done X, Y, and Z in that leadership space. Tactical leadership. There you go. And literally, that's how the name of the podcast came up. Is like people pushed it on me and said, hey, go do it. And you'll see. Use it as a learning experience. And then people started listening. And I'm like, man, because that was my biggest imposter syndrome piece, right? My biggest limiter was me thinking nobody's going to listen. Nobody gives a crap about what I have to say attached to it. The book was the same way. And it's kind of realization that as you do things, there are people around you that are paying attention, they're listening, they're watching. They might not be saying anything. They might not be liking, commenting, sharing your posts, but they're watching. And that's such an interesting thing that I look at and how I talk, what I talk about. And a big piece of that, looking at legacy and ending with why, one of my topics, that is part of that conversation. I'm leaving these different pieces for the next generation, for those next things to come along, whether it's kids, whether it's business, I'm leaving something for my legacy. And that's what my podcast, my book is all about. So really was an amazing epiphany for me to help me understand like, this is why it's valuable to launch a book. This is why it's valuable to launch podcasts and keep putting those things out there. Does anybody have any questions or thoughts? You don't have to share your epiphany moments if you don't want to, but any questions or thoughts attached to those few things that we talked about on this page?
1: So this is probably not applicable to anybody in this room other than me at 47 years old. I'd never been out of the country before, let alone I'd never taken a vacation in my coaching career. Like I'd never taken more than a week off of work because my role was, I couldn't do that. So I took, ended up going to Spain and went to the Azores. So we were out there for 10 days and I thought to my, I'm standing in the middle of Spain in this in the square, this huge square. And I'm like, excuse me, excuse my language. Why the fuck am I not doing more of this in my life? Yep. Like I've put off all this time in my life. I want more of this. And that was the moment where I was like, I don't want to coach anymore in the traditional sense of things. Yep.
0: So. Oh, I love that. I mean, that's a great piece. Spain's on my bucket list, man. I hear it's beautiful over there and be able to experience that I and mean, make that shift. Like it's an incredible thing. I mean, there's so many different pieces. Leaving law enforcement was one of those. I left law enforcement and went into basic training at 28. And I was getting yelled at by drill sergeants that were younger than me that had no life experience. And the week before, I was kicking doors in on the SWAT team here in Atlanta. Like, totally different shift. But there was an epiphany that happened that transitioned me into, all right, it's time to make a move. Usually, those epiphany moments are like shifts in life, right? Transitions that you see. Those are the things that make what you want to talk about, your presentation. Those are the things that really... Craft something a little bit different for you. Those are the stories people want to hear. It makes you relatable, like Richie was talking about. It makes you relatable and authentic to that audience, helps you create that trust. As you go through these things, I'm gonna go back to screen sharing as this flips a little bit. As we go back into the workbook. So obviously, we just went through those four things. On the workbook, I have the unique proposition. I have those four questions there. Then I have my examples attached to it, just in case you want to see a little bit of. Where I stand on some of these pieces. Moving into the media kit and the one sheet, this is where you kind of take all of those things and put them into think about a resume, right? Essentially, you want a resume for different things. And in the corporate world, you want a resume when you're getting a new job. In the entrepreneurial business world, in the veteran space, creating something that is essentially a resume helps you get in front of the places and in front of the people you want to be in. So one sheet is exactly what it sounds like, right? It's a marketing pitch about you. This sheet will include a photo, qualifications, list of topics, like we just talked about, you are qualified to cover, suggested questions for the podcaster or the presenter, or if you're on like a panel, go ahead and make this easy for them a list of other podcasts or medias you've been on, and information about how you're going to promote. That last bullet, information about how you will promote what you're doing is a huge one that I'm going to circle back to here in a little bit. Traditionally, people create these on like a PDF, definitely can do that. You can use Canva, you can use Adobe, whatever it is. If you really want to be professional and change the game um, for this mobile-friendly or personal website, Having that, thinking about a media kit as a website, and I'm going to pull up mine. So this is something I recently did, getting back on stages and releasing my book. My screen, I don't know how this is going to actually pop up. My screen, I have a big old iMac that I'm on. So the screen might be a little bit outsized. But essentially, I created a personal website. There we go. A personal website for my personal brand. And this is essentially my speaking media kit, if you will. You can go on, you have my books, my businesses, my podcast that has all the photos, everything we've talked about, right? Where it's a video from Michael Coles. Michael wrote the forward in the book. So it's a little bit of a video of him talking, an you know, excerpt of the book, where else I've been featured, right? I was on the cover of the AJC back in November, different engagements from when I was speaking, my bio, more engagements, reviews, testimonials, so on and so forth, right? And then all the businesses that I own. So it gives you a rundown. So if anybody asks for my media kit, I throw that link in there, right? That way it's mobile friendly. So if it's on their phone, they can pick up their phone and they can look through that piece of things. So they know who I am and what I'm about, and they can actually see that I've done this before. So I can get on more stages, right? This is my more traditional media kit. This is where the resume is. Now I'm going to laugh at myself because I say it's a one sheet and I actually have a two sheet. So I'm going to, I might rename that to being a two sheet, but thinking about a media kit, think about this as essentially my virtual resume to get on or my digital resume to get on stage and get on podcasts. I'll send this two page PDF over. This is page one on the kind of highlight. So like it says, you want to have the big thing, a photo of me right on the front cover, right? Qualifications, list of topics, different things. So some of the qualifications looking at this, I'm a founder, speaker, and an author, right? I'm a speaker, wrote a book. And I've found in businesses. So right off the bat, they know a little bit of what I'm talking about. This is the actual content page that we're talking about. So um, looking at what we talked over about your topics to discuss, if you notice those top three topics to discuss, the tactic piece. I love the definition of tactic actions carefully planned to gain a specific end state. Because battle, be a tactical leader, I'm all about the tactics. In the military, the reason I actually chose tactics and tactical and that piece of it, in the military, there are three levels of war, essentially, from a strategic and operational and then a tactical level, tactical levels in the trenches. So Dave, you were talking about roll up your sleeves and get dirty with whoever you're working with, right? And Do the dirty work. The tactical piece is the person in the trench, right? So that's where a lot of these, the be a tactical piece came from. And really why I love focusing on that. And then my bio is attached to it, gives you the rundown of police, military, businesses, and then, of course, a little bit about the book. Then my contact information, never forget to put your contact information on a media kit because, dear Lord, if they can't get a hold of you, you just wasted everybody's time. I say that, but it is a real thing that I've had people send me stuff and... Or a booking agent sent me contact information. I had no way of contacting the actual individual. So definitely have those assets on there. These are the things that you put together heading into a proposal. And we're still hitting that first piece of the pitch, right? So I'm going to pause here because this is a quick rundown of media kits and, and actually pitching yourself. So you might have any questions on this media kit while I have it pulled up and the value of what you should have on a media kit? Or a one sheet, two sheet. Website, that seems to be a little bit more efficient. Yes. I love the website because what I have on here, again, you can buy my book. You can download that same media kit. So they actually have the access to my media kit and it bumps over to the PDF. If you have the capability, I think a website's phenomenal. A landing page, right? It doesn't have to be a whole website, but a landing yeah. page where they can download your you know, your bio, your headshots, yada, 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 or a Google link. There are a lot of people that use a Google Drive link. So they'll put everything in a Google Drive and then send that link over to somebody as a media kit. Whatever that efficiency looks like to you, depending on your level of capability, I think is a big thing. The traditional one, this is kind of what I do for my discovery, right? So when I have a booking agent, when they do outreach for me, they'll send this over. They'll send just the one sheet, Hey, I have a client, Zach A. Knight, who wants to get on more podcasts, wants to get on more stages, wants to do X, Y, and Z. Here's some information about them. If you're interested, let me know and we'll send over some more information, right? That's what I use this for. It's literally just like, almost like a cover sheet resume type thing, right? Just a one hit, there you go. This year is when I built out this website. So that way it has more accessibility, more interest where they can find a lot of my content in one central place. Does that help any, Dave? Perfect. Any other questions on media kits or like putting things together before I dive into a pitch? All right. So the pitch, this is the big piece that once you get all the content together, all the things in one central location you go talk to the facilitators. Now there's thousands, hundreds of thousands of stages, right? Again, everything from the sales team meeting to a large conference or a Atlanta summit, right? There's a, a lot of stages from here to there. I mean, just so many you can get on. A good way to find them is Googling the topic plus a podcast or speaking. So if you want to speak on financials or you want to speak on more, I know Stephen Carpatella. I guess he's like the number two for EPM, number three for EPM. He's way the hell up there with EPM. But I had Carp on my podcast about two weeks ago. His episodes actually go live next week. And Carp was talking about like, he loves speaking on different pieces about values and leadership and communication. Those are the podcasts he gets on. He's not necessarily getting on podcasts talking about mortgage. He's talking about what EPM is doing, why EPM is doing it, and how they make a different impact. The unique proposition attached to providing mortgages to people. So he goes through and looks at different topics in that capacity. So really understanding which topics you're, you're searching for and what stage you want to be on. Overall, don't be too picky as you're getting started. Smaller stages might be more valuable than the larger ones especially if they have the targeted audience you're looking for. Once you have a good list, you really just go one by one. Start proposing yourself to them. Send over the one sheet. Send over a call to action. Send over, hey, this is what I'm trying to do. And this is why I want to be on your stage specifically. That's a big piece. If you can really keep it custom... And this is a great example. I have Battle Brews once a month, right? So if somebody came to me, I've actually had a couple people. Hey, I want to get on your stage. I want to get in front of you. Jennifer was actually the first one to speak at Battle Brews. And she came to me and said, Hey, I want to talk about discovering your voice and how the process of writing my book, right? She wanted to talk about that and have a conversation around a veteran discovering their voice. And that was our first Battle Brews conversation. And that was essentially her pitching me, Hey, this is what I want to do for the audience. I teach discovering your voice. I want to do it for the veteran space. I have experience with writing my book. So she literally just was in the middle of working with a veteran and discovering my voice. And she's like, hey, this is and essentially pitched me on her being the speaker at Battle Bruce. So having that pitch and then having all the content backing it really helps, especially when it's a stranger. You don't happen to have that individual sitting next to you like we do at the Buckhead Club. Are there any questions on the pitch overall that encapsulates the first P? The next few pieces are going to go a little bit quicker for the rest of the prep process. But the pitch is really something I love talking about. And I love getting highlighted because it really moves into anybody can do that. If you're trying to get a different level in corporation, if you're trying to get promoted, if you're trying to take an initiative and a step forward, having these pieces put together and then pitching, this is why I should be the one giving this presentation. It shifts the dynamic because now it's, again, you're giving them the opportunity to say yes, essentially giving them a choice they are not giving them the choice to say no, if that makes sense. Are there any questions on the pitch part as a whole, not overall those pieces we just ran through? You don't have to unmute Dave, it's okay, I can keep rolling. <laughs> awesome, so that hits the pitch piece. The next piece I wanna talk about is research. This is a big piece of when somebody says yes, You have the background. You have the topics. You have all of that sorted out. You send over your pitch. Somebody says, absolutely. Dave, I want you on my podcast. Well, there's an old cliche that says 99% of life is what you put into it, right? And at the end of the day, 99% of what makes a good speech, what makes a good presentation is what the speaker puts into it before the actual delivery. So the R of the prep process is research. Are you focusing on researching different aspects of your presentation. Many people think that the delivery is the most important part of the speech because it makes the information presented interesting and pleasing to the audience. Yet, the best delivered speech will not seem fulfilling to the audience unless there's some kind of substantial and substantiation and conviction put into the presentation. In-depth research can really lead to delivering, helping the delivery of your presentation. Some of those benefits are choosing the right topic, the flow of the speech will be better, you're able to make it hit better, right? You actually put some oomph into it and the conversations from the stage improve or the conversion, excuse me, the conversions from the stage improve. I'm going to talk a little bit about what you should be researching and what you should be thinking about as you research. But does does anybody have any questions on that piece? Why research is so important once you get the yes. Perfect. Keep rolling into explaining this piece. It really goes back and Richie hit it really well, right? Gaining that trust, gaining that buy-in from the audience, right? That's where your speech really starts hitting better. So when you start researching different things, I'm going to screen share real quick, just in case it hops on y'all. As you start researching different things, the first thing I really encourage you to research is the stage. And there are four questions that I really highlight as being important for you to be thinking about What kind, as far as researching the stage. And the first one is what kind of stage do you want to be on? Is it a... Sales conversation? Is it a team meeting? Is it a podcast? Is it a conference? Is it a business association? What kind of stage do you want to be on? There are a ton of different stages and probably stages you don't even conceptualize as being a stage yet, depending on your perspective attached to it. Does anybody have any thoughts about what kind of stages you actually want to be on? And I will craft the rest of this attached to answering these next three questions based on those types of stages. If anybody has any thoughts.
1: So certainly, podcast is one. But then you brought up business associations. That's a huge one. Great opportunity to get in front of a lot of people that you kind of know about their business already.
0: But yep. You know, perfect. I've just pulled up the chat box in case anybody wants to type anything. I've got that in. If you don't want to unmute and you just want to type any pieces of those or you have any questions. Feel free to do so. So, thinking about podcasts, thinking about business associations, I would even go further along the lines of business associations, Lions Club, Rotaries, Chamber of Commerce, right? The big thing to recognize is a lot of these stages need speakers a lot weekly, right? They have weekly meetings, they have a speaker. Most events that are recurring like that need somebody to be there as their featured guest. So where and how can you get connected to those stages? And there's some really interesting pieces attached to it. The podcasts, does, does anybody have any idea how to get connected to a podcast? Talk to you. <laughs> wow, Taylor typed the same thing, literally. So yes, obviously you can talk to me, but it's something that thinking about podcasts, I do a lot of my outreach on LinkedIn. LinkedIn is one of the most phenomenal platforms. And if you haven't used LinkedIn for this, podcasts are such an easy thing to get connected on and search and find plain and simple podcast host, search it, and you'll end up with 120,000 results. And I have 215 connections that have podcast host in their title. This is actually what my booking agent does. A lot of times, if we're looking for specific types of podcasts, that actually go in and we'll search different types of podcasts and look at podcast hosts. The interesting part for some of these people, a lot of these are second level connections. So if you don't know on LinkedIn, if you want to be able to send them a a great message, quick and easy, you drop them to the second level connection, which means you have somebody mutually connected. So I have all these people mutually connected with Lee Williams. A big piece of finding a podcast to get on is just search for it, right? And then you sit there and you send them over your media kit. A big pieces do the research attached to it right to Dave's point what type of podcast is it is it something that you should be on or should not be on if it's a conversation about female business owners and I actually just came across a podcast that I was going to reach out to and it was all about um, female business owners and they only featured female business owners I would say that's probably not a podcast for me to apply to right when it comes to rotaries when it comes to business associations, Getting connected to those stages, the legwork attached to it is simply Google, right? Where and how can you get connected to those stages? There is a method attached to listing all the rotaries in Atlanta. Let's see. So if you want to speak at a rotary, get in contact with a rotary. Here's a list of every freaking rotary in Georgia, essentially Atlanta specifically thinking about small stages to get started on. This is actually how I started my speaking career, how I actually started growing my business with my security firm. Meeting time, date, city, connectivity. Nope, I don't know what level of access they give you on this side. So no different than I do with a podcast, what I ended up doing was name, email, subject, body. I want to speak, I'm not a robot. Drop a link into your media kit, right? Going the next step further. All righty, their website's down or one of their links is broken. So let's go over, okay. Wow, I need to call the rotary and sell them a website apparently. So when it actually works properly, let's go back and see another local one. There's Brookhaven. So the email, you can send an email right over to them, throw in a link, throw in your media kit. If one of these wants to work, usually, there we go. All right, so if you go over to the specific rotaries or the business association, whatever it may be, there's generally a list somewhere attached to their leadership. And this goes into that next piece we're talking about. So looking at the next piece, who owns the stages? So if you wanna get on a rotary and you wanna go speak to a rotary because they're always looking for people to talk, well, here are all the connections you need, right? It looks like Jennifer, however you pronounce her last name, is in charge of a lot of stuff, right? She'd be a great person to connect with. You can always, using the wonderful world of LinkedIn, and there's Jennifer, which happens to be a CFP. So, Dave, there's probably a level of conversation you can have with her attached to you wanting to get on stages, right? You having the capability of going to speak in front of the rotary. And you could probably talk in nerd terms to talk, attached to financials and all the different things that you help people invest with, right? And all these different people you can connect to. This is the research for the stage that you really should be doing if you're serious about getting on stages, right? You look at. January. Some rotaries are better than others. All right, let's go back with updating their websites. So there you go, regular meeting every other week on a Wednesday. Richie's jumping back in. So sometimes they'll post different pieces about wanting speakers. But generally speaking, at rotary meetings, every meeting they are looking for a speaker. So you can reach out and say, Hey, I would love to come speak in your rotation. I see you meet every couple of weeks, make it a specific pitch to Jennifer. And that's who owns that stage, right? Jennifer's the one who's probably decision maker attached to it. How do you get the attention of the owner of those stages? Being specific with why you want to come talk to her audience. So you're looking at Jennifer. Hey, Jennifer, I see you're a financial advisor. And Dave, I'll use you as a guinea pig attached to this conversation. Excuse me. But thinking about, hey, Jennifer, I have this five-step process, proprietary software, things that can help shift the conversation. For her, you can even get a little bit more specific. I love talking and mentoring and coaching because this is what I did in the past. Now, I'd love to get in front of your audience and talk more about how I can help people change the dynamic of the investments they're making. Right? You get very specific about, hey, Jennifer, this is what I want to talk about. I know the Rotary. I mean, you, you're looking at the background. They do Salvation Army. right? They have different pieces where they're focused on things and engagement within the community. Rotary is really good about that, knowing the Rotary. So thinking about what the Rotary is actually about, right? What does the Rotary accomplish? What are they trying to, overall, what are they trying to do as an organization? Has a lot of the youth piece. Let's see. So looking at the causes of the Rotary, causes that build international relationships, improve lives and create a better world to support our peace efforts and end polio forever. Interesting. I didn't know a uh, Rotary is all about polio, but there you go. So what they're trying to accomplish, how can you help with your topics? Everything we just talked about in the proposal and the pitch, what can you do to get in front of these people? What does your story, your conversation do to support these things, right? Supporting education, Dave talking about you wanting to educate people on financials and you have, we were talking about your process being like five steps. And, you know, having those five or six conversations because you have those pieces. Well, each one of those conversations can essentially be what you do is you educate. You can essentially support the education and adult literacy attached to financials. So when you go to reach out to Jennifer, say, hey, I know the Rotary supports education attached to adult literacy and increasing literacy. I specifically increase the adult literacy for young adults because I have a background of teaching and speaking and mentoring and coaching young adults specifically in how to manage their finances. Throughout the world, that's a big issue. Throughout the United States, that's a big issue. And you think that your conversation can really support the Rotary's endeavor. So when you look at how you're getting that attention, you now have made a specific pitch. You're essentially talking through a cover sheet. This is why I'm good for this stage, right? A podcast is no different. If you come on the Tactical Leader podcast or you want to come on the Tactical Leader podcast, somebody will come up to me and they'll be like, oh, I'd be great for it. Have you listened to episode? No. Okay, why not? Well, do you know that I have three segments that we record? Nope, had no idea. Okay. Well, do you know that my third segment, Tactical Friday, is actually all about a call to action and I need a call to action from you? Do you have a call to action prepared? Nope. All right, well, then you're not a good candidate for my podcast, right? So if you're not doing the research, you automatically disqualify yourself because you're not in alignment with what I'm trying to do. Podcasters work that way. Stages work that way. A lot of different things. So researching the stage and knowing that piece of it can really help you craft a pitch and a proposal to be able to get on that stage a lot easier. Are there any questions? I'm going to stop sharing for a second. Are there any questions on researching the stage? To translate this over into the corporate world, Carly, Richie, hopefully this helps a little bit. Thinking about the stages, the possibilities y'all are on and more of that corporate side... When you start researching things, knowing what EPM is trying to do in the different endeavors, Richie, you're actually doing a, a great piece of it. EPM as a whole is doing the great piece of that. When do you get more involved in the veteran community? What kind of stages do you want to be on? One that increases profits and revenues and y'all's involvement in the veteran community. Where and how can you get connected to those stages? You talk to me, you do different things attached to it. I own those stages, right? And then how do you get the attention of those owners that own the owner of those stages, right? I have that audience here in Atlanta, the veteran audience here in Atlanta. How do you get the attention? Well, we have a a conversation. You take me to Atlanta United game. You let us have the Beyond the Transaction workshops at the office there. There are so many different things that EPM has done perfectly attached to. Now it's a conversation back and forth with getting in front of the audience I have for veterans to further that endeavor of the VA loans and the VA, I want to call it the restoration loans, but renovation loans. So that's a good way to look at how can you further EPM's endeavors. You land a deal like that for EPM, it turns into something, obviously, there, I hope, and knowing CARP, at least I imagine that payback comes through. If you do that for your organization, the likelihood is that will help you get promoted and get in front of those people more and more and more and more. Hopefully that makes sense and relates over to y'all's side.
3: Yeah, no, it does a lot. It's really helpful.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Awesome. It's hard for me sometimes. I've never been in the corporate world, so it's hard for me to actually relate sometimes. So if it doesn't make sense, by all means, throw some two cents in there. But it's one of those I've never had an actual formal corporate job. So I'm going to keep bobbing and weaving away from those as much as I can. But I'm learning. Any other thoughts on researching the stage? Any questions on researching the stage? Perfect. I will dive into that next. We're just going to share again as we bounce the screen. All right. So the next thing you're going to research is the format. What type of presentation are you or can you give? A lot of times, podcasts or interview format, right? If you're getting on a panel, if you're teaching a workshop, there are a lot of conferences now. Vetlanta did this and Jen taught the workshop before the summit, but we integrated several different things. We had a workshop before the summit. We had a panel during the workshop. Then we had a keynote speaker We also had a panel during the main event of the summit. So what type of presentation can you give? Are you going to give? That's a big piece of knowing the format. Like I just talked about my podcast being three different segments. It's important for you to know if you're teaching, if there is the capability, because a lot of times those keynote slots are full, and those are usually planned out for a, a long time in the future. However, hey, I, I'm great on a panel. I have this set of knowledge and experience that can help on this type of panel, if y'all have this type of panel, or I can teach this type of workshop. Those opportunities are much more prevalent these days. Another piece of it is, are you allowed to sell from the stage you're getting on? That is a phenomenal question to ask. A lot of people will not let you sell from that stage. So you go to a conference, you go to a Atlanta event. Generally speaking, you have to have a strong call to action. I'm going to move into that. Towards the next couple of pieces, but how to sell from that stage? Are you allowed to sell from that stage? Can you make an offer from that stage? It's a really important thing to realize. A lot of podcasts don't let you straight up just sell to the stage because it's not engaging content. So you normally get disqualified, attached to you're not even given the opportunity. So how do you craft a call to action that allows you to actually sell from that stage and essentially soft pitch from that stage? A big piece attached to this marketing, simply attracting those you want and calling those you don't want. A common mistake that presenters make that you cast a massive net, but what ends up happening is you end up not getting a conversion from casting that big net. You wanna be really niche with your presentation and audience, know the avatar of your perfect ideal client, be their guide, know when they buy it, where they live, what kind of hook to use, what bait to use, et cetera, niching it down to increase your chance of catching that big fish. Because at the end of the day, if you're presenting, there's a big fish you're trying to catch. Whether that's the next client or the next promotion, there's always a fish of what you're trying to do on these stages. The last piece I want you to really research and think about researching is the audience. What age is the audience? What platforms can you find them on? What kind of content does this audience search for? What actions are they normally taking when they find that answer? So what actions are they taking when they search for and find something? And what do you offer that falls in line with what they are searching for? So understanding the audience is a great thing. Going out to Dallas, I went out to Dallas for the badass business conference that Donnie runs. I know a few of y'all know Donnie. I I went out there knowing the audience was a room full of entrepreneurs, business owners, small business owners, my ideal clients, right? The age of the audience was varying. The platforms were LinkedIn, and they have their own platform that I didn't know about at the time, but I knew a lot of it was on LinkedIn. A lot of the content they were searching for answers for business, right? They were looking for business operations specifically, which is where I was able to step in pretty well. And the actions they're normally taking are having conversations. They do a lot of virtual coffees. They're a little bit easier to call to action of, hey, let's hop on a quick call. And then what offers do I fall in line, or what offers that, what do I offer, excuse me, that fall in line with what they're looking for and looking at it, it's my mastermind with business builders, these workshops, different pieces, educational pieces that are the free offers that lead into the service offerings, Right understanding the audience you're going to speak to really shifts. I'm part of another organization called BINS. It's Business Executives for National Security. And when I go into this room, it's a bunch of very wealthy, older people, business executives that are far beyond small business, right? They operate on things far above my scale of what I operate on. So I had to shift one. I started wearing suits a lot more in front of them. So that's a big thing. I had to shift my dynamic a little bit, but also I had to shift my ask. I had to shift away from what I was talking about. I'm not going to go into a room of business executives and tell them I have this. Also, mastermind the bucket club for small business owners. It's called business builders. Let me help you build a business. That's not the pitch for that room. right? That's not the audience that's in that room. The audience in that room is really focused on giving back. Most of the people in that room are in their 60s, 70s. They are business executives already, they're already successful, and they're in a legacy phase. They're wanting to give back. So when I go in that room, I don't talk about battle, I don't talk about my production company, I talk about ATL Vets, I talk about my nonprofit, I talk about VetLanta. They're looking for things to support, people to support, audiences to support, communities to support, and that big piece turns into, I have an audience of veterans. I have the means and the capability for the audience to convert in, or for them to convert in the audience, right? So it's one of those with the veteran space, going out to talk about ATL Vets. I talk about this is an organization designed to help business owners, veteran business owners specifically, and this is how you can support that endeavor. So I researched the audience in, in bins. Uh, it's about a 50-50 split from veterans and business owners. The veterans in the room are also executives. The other people in the room are executives. And they want to support that cause. So they want to support young veterans, young and up-and-coming veterans. So I was able to get in that room and talk about ATL vets in a way that made sense. And I don't just immediately get dismissed. Are there any questions about the research phase for these for presenting? Awesome. I'm going to keep rolling into extracting. So the E in prepping for present presentations is when you make the pitch of the facilitator, be sure to be focused on what you can do for the facilitator and for their audience. Each person that builds a stage wants something. You have to figure out what that is. You can This can include how you're qualified, valuable information you can share for the audience. If you have a big mailing list, if you're able to promote it, the PR aspect attached to it. If you're big on social media, how you can get it across. Also want to know about previous success and experiences you have and that you'll come prepared. A great correlation to this is with EPM as a whole. A big piece with CARP and talking to Frank. A lot of it is that I have this specific audience and the pitch to even come in for the Beyond the Transaction workshop and have that workshop at the headquarters is, hey, we're bringing in different industry professionals from the veteran space, from the real estate space that are essentially open to being a preferred partner or a a referral partner for EPM and for different things that EPM is trying to grow. So when we're trying to use that space and reserve that space with EPM, it turns into, hey, this is who we're bringing into the room for you. Y'all want more business. Y'all want to build your a bigger audience. Y'all want to be seen as people that are giving to the community and helping those in the community. So I'm going to throw some PR and some social media and some graphics and some conversations out there beyond the walls of EPM. And that's led to obviously us being able to have that facility in that location to further the Beyond the Transaction workshop, to further different things, to move more into the veteran space as well, and then drag Carly and, and Richie on a Tuesday morning into this workshop. Appreciate y'all. Love it. Mm Of course. Kicking and screaming. Obviously, Carly's kicking and screaming. But that's a a big piece. Go ahead, Richie. You're screaming as well. Is that what I heard?
2: No, yeah. I was going to say thank you, man. Like You're doing a great job. I love what you're doing for EPM.
0: I appreciate it, Richie. But that's the big piece about the value prop, right? And trying to make sure that nobody loses in that situation. Not necessarily a win-win, but nobody loses. EPM gets what they want. I get what I want. The business sides of things, the audience gets what they want. So I'm able to extract that piece. So everybody's getting something out of the deal, the desired results. So looking at that piece, what kind of result does the facilitator want? What are some of the results an attendee would want? And what are the results that you want or that I want? Kind of just hit on those pieces with the explanation with EPM. EPM, we can call the facilitator because they have the space. They want to be in front of more people, plain and simple. They want to stand out in a crowd of mortgage companies. They want to do different things and show their values attached to it. So it's easy for me to see with EPM, this is what they're trying to do. I can help facilitate that, right? The result that EPM would want is that, again, get in front of more people, get that brand awareness, show that they're involved in the community. I can help that. It's an easy pitch for me. The results the attendees would want. So the people that are coming to the workshops, the veterans in the space, right? The audience that we have, what are the results that they want? They want education, they want networking, they want connection, they want to be around like-minded individuals that can help further those endeavors. Finding out what those endeavors are a big piece of what makes it a valuable result for the attendee. So really recognizing what the attendees want help. And then the result that I want, obviously a lot of it boils down into the desired results for me are finding partners, right? having the beyond the transaction piece, having these types of workshops grow and build, but also finding corporate partners that are helping grow the community as a whole. And we grow alongside each other. The best way as a small business owner to up-level is to find bigger businesses that you can bring value to, right? So it helps me up-level as a business owner, as a program owner, attached to growing and building my own awareness and those partnerships. So finding that desired result is a big piece and recognizing what that is going into the conversation for each of these people, right? Recognizing the facilitator, the attendee, and yourself, knowing what those desired results are going into the conversation, make it really easy for you to be prepped to give any type of presentation. Does that? Does anybody have any questions on extracting those desired results or understanding those desired results? Awesome. We will keep rolling into producing. So we're talking a little bit earlier about how to produce those desired results. Of course, it's good to know the desired results, but then you have to produce them. What's the call to action? And things to think about and shift with the call to action, every presentation you give, whether again, it's the corporate side and you're running a team meeting, looking for that promotion, you're looking for that next client, you're getting on a podcast, you're getting on any type of stage, any type of presentation you're giving, you need to have a call to action, CTA call to action you need to have that, whether it's for your boss, your employees, you can apply this literally across anything that you're talking about, understanding what your normal call to action is. That's something that I think is a big thing that a lot of people miss out on when they're actually looking to produce results. They miss the call to action and not just a a normal call to action, engaging. What would cause people to think about it online as you're scrolling something online? What causes you to click on something? What causes you to tap on something? What causes you to, if you see an ad come across, what catches your eye enough to be like, oh, that's what I want, right? Usually it's something you're already looking for, you're searching, but it's something that's strong enough for people to take action. One thing to recognize when you're solely virtual and a shift you should make with a virtual call to action, you don't get, like what Richie was talking about earlier, you don't necessarily get the in-person engagement. You don't get that personal connection. So in a world where we're getting a lot more virtual, Zoom. All these platforms are becoming much more integrated into day-to-day life, day-to-day business. Back in the day, mortgage companies, it might have been, hey, come in, sign this contract where now you have the virtual send over of the contract and the e-sign. Taylor has a phenomenal virtual platform for personal training, right? So you don't even have to be in person anymore to get personally trained. A lot of what Jennifer does is via Zoom and conversations on Zoom and then typing away and editing things. When you're getting on stages that are lacking an in in-person connection capability, how do you shift that to make sure people go click? If they hear what you're talking about, how do you get them into that next step in the process? The next thing I talk about is a uh, lead magnets and how to really get that and shape that for yourself, but it's something to think about. The in-person call to action, the virtual call to action should be very different and should recognize that is not you have to have something even more engaging, if that makes sense. You have to have something even more compelling if you're virtual. A podcast is a great example of that. People that hear the recording, you know, a month, two months, three months later, you have to have something that's so engaging that they're going to be like, "Yep, I'm going to stop what I'm doing. I'm going to pause until the next red line. I'm mean, going to go to the show notes, whatever it may be. You have to have that call to action ready, ready to go. And a lot of times people are like, "Oh, follow me on social media or connect with me on Instagram or LinkedIn." And that is not generally a good call to action because a lot of people aren't going to do that. Same with the shift for an in-person call to action. When you have the capability, what I love now are QR codes. I've been using QR codes like crazy. There's about 20 of them in my book, which is essentially a virtual call to action, right? Go over to this piece. But that in-person call to action, thinking about moving them into that next step and moving them along. And if there's a way to shift that and get more engaged with it and really understanding a shift for you to make in that in-person and having two different call to actions attached to it. Does anybody have any thoughts on a call to action, Um, any clarifications you may need or want to talk through their current call to actions to make them more virtual or in-person engaging? All right. We will bump down into, and this is going to be the last part of it, finishing up those producing those results of lead magnets. Same thing that we're talking about, right? Producing a lead magnet that somebody would click on. What works for people what works on you? For me, it generally is in something that furthers business, right? Common in my industry, there's actually creating a lead magnet out of this workbook. So I have several workbooks listed. Last night on the shop talk, I went through another workbook I have for business operating system and a business plan. And it's a workbook that I have a couple call to actions attached to, hey, if you want to build your own business plan, if you want to build your own business operating system, here's the workbook for you. What I'm going to end up doing with this workbook and really put it out there more is if you want to go and download this to work through here's something you can do and work on your own to craft better lead magnet or to craft better present presenting skills so that you can then come across and get those conversions that you want. Same thing about what type of lead magnet should you create? Where should it go? Thinking through those different pieces, again, it has to be really engaging. So when I get on a podcast and I talk about, my have a four-step process to prep for presenting skills. This is something that People that want to speak more, people that want to get on stage more are going to go click on that. They're going to go download this, right? So when I get on a podcast, I say, you know, head over to zackaynight.com forward slash prep. And I have this downloadable for them. It changes the dynamic that somebody's going to go and actually click on that, opt in, download it, and then start and engage in a conversation, right? It's going to allow me to capture their information. It's going to allow me to... Have them start down a path, and it, when they get into this piece of it, and I have a question, ah, I don't know what type of lead magnet I need. I don't know what type of lead magnet is actually going to be successful. Then I get that phone call, I get that email, I get that message. Right? It's a call to action that leads to the next call to action, and works them down the path. What I have on the back end of this workbook and this presentation. I actually have a 90-day training program that helps people with their speaking capabilities. It helps people with their presenting capabilities. So I go through a lot of what I learned at Dell Carnegie. I go through this 90-day program. We do calls once a week, and we really focus on how do we craft your story? How do we craft all these pieces that we just talked about? So when somebody goes and opts in to this workshop, or they go and watch this recording, and then we get towards the end of it, that's what my lead magnet is. If you want to do better at crafting your message. If you want to do better at presenting whatever piece you're wanting to present on, I have a 90-day program. Let's hop in and I'll help you one-on-one craft these different things to go from, I don't really have anything prepped for presenting to now becoming a more tactical presenter and actually being able to convert into getting on stage and then convert coming off of the stage. How do you actually get those wins and produce the results you're looking for? So all of this actually turns into a lead magnet for me. And it all leads into some of my business coaching services and one-on-one coaching services. And that's really what a lead magnet should do. It should really take a potential customer, a prospect, a client by the hand and walk them down the path of buying from you. And that could be a mortgage. What are the lead magnets that EPM's using to draw and garner people? You look at it and actually it's an interesting thing that we worked out with Frank and Carp having the Beyond the Transaction workshop at EPM is actually a lead magnet. Sorry, I'm going to chew on a cough drop real quick. I'm trying to get over all the gross weather going around. But a lead magnet for EPM is actually those workshops. And hey, come and promote. Frank goes and promotes it. CART promotes it. And they say, hey, we're at the office. Come have a conversation with us. So the lead magnet, when the EPM team shows up to the actual workshop, hey, EPM, you get a shout out. Y'all here's Frank, here's the team, here's the great things that EPM is doing. Make sure to have a conversation with them thank them for giving us the space and sponsoring the space for us. So thinking about lead magnets, it can be a variety of different things. It doesn't have to be virtual. It can be in person and it can be showing up no different than EPM is doing today with Richie and Carly. This leads to the capabilities of saying, Hey, these are the people that are supporting the cause. So lead magnets can really produce a, a wide variety of things and can really Help you click on or help your customer, your prospect click forward into that next step of the process. And that's where you really end up producing the results you're really looking for. As you prep overall, go back, I'm going to scroll all the way back up to these pieces, right? You craft the pitch that makes it really perfect. You do the right research that gets you into the right mindset, the right conversation, the right flow. Then you extract what you want out of that presentation for yourself and for the facilitator and for the attendees. And then you produce, you get the results, you get on the stage. Now you transfer that. You did the work. Now you produce the results you want. I was having a conversation actually with Taylor the other day, talking about doing different things and, and actually talking about the definition of karma. And I actually pulled it a second ago. Is really fascinating. I was, I'm was i so fascinated by this. The true definition of karma, a lot of us think about, I'm going to stop screen sharing for a second. A lot of us think about karma as being like good and bad, right? If you put out a bunch of bad out in the world, you're bad back. If you put a bunch of good out in the world, you're going to get good back. And a conversation that I had as I was chewing on something is like karma, to what level do we create our own karma? And a lot of this workbook and, and this workshop focuses on how do you create the results that you want? And a lot of people misunderstand The true definition of karma, the traditional meaning around Eastern religions and other pieces attached to it, is actually, it means action. In Sanskrit, karma actually means action. There are often misconceptions about how it applies to our lives, where the reality of it is, is you are creating your own karma. You are creating the results that you're putting out there and the results that you're getting. Not necessarily good and bad, but action, right? What action are you taking? Because that's the actual definition of karma what actions are you having out there now it could be good actions bad actions you can have the black and white piece of it it's like bad karma and people use those situations to kind of course correct and move course correct and move forward but it's really a philosophy of living lives attached to being our most fulfilling a life we desire what actions are you taking what karma are you? putting forth to get the results that you're looking for. So it's really actually kind of fascinating to look at that. And I have that quote on that page attached to, to what level are we creating our own karma? To what level are we creating the results that we want to create for ourselves and how that energy and emotion feeds forward? So really fascinating piece. But as you go out and finish this, this workbook and finish the prep process and start getting those results, what results are you producing through the actions you're taking? How are you putting that business karma out there and actually getting the results that you want because you're really defining those for yourself. Super little fascinating piece attached to the the philosophy behind it all. But I'm going to stop. That is the end of the workbook. Pull that back up. If you have any questions questions attached to this workbook, my email Zach at Be A Tactical Leader is right there on that last page. And if y'all want the fillable PDF version of this and you want to be able to share it, or be able to go in and type your answers and talk through it, by all means, please shoot me an email. I will send you over a copy of that. And it'll be available on the back end of my website, vtacticalleader.com forward slash courses. This will all be posted up there so you can go back and review it. It'll also be on the VetLanta website where people can go in and see those pieces there. Beyond that, if you want to have a conversation one-on-one, that is my cell phone number where you can shoot me an email and we can book a call. And then we can have this conversation a little bit further if you want to share that a little bit more and talk through it all. But I am done with that part of the workbook. And that is the overall conversation I wanted to have today. We have about 20 minutes left and y'all are more than welcome to hop out of here and run along, but I'm going to sit tight for a few. If y'all have any questions, thoughts, comments attached to any of this prep process that we just talked about, I would love to chat through any of it. If y'all have any pieces you want to go through. Perfect. Clear as mud. I love it. Awesome. Well, if y'all don't have any other questions attached to it, Richie, I am seeing the chat box now, bro. Be real careful. Taylor has a capability to make men cry. I think Jamie's still crying about the shotgunning. And as my trainer, she makes me cry a lot. So be careful what you ask for. Okay, cool. I'm crying a lot with my wife at home. So I'm used to that. <laughs> and then she's perfect for you. Just keep enjoying it. And yeah, she will destroy your life and laugh while she does it. It's terrible. <laughs> Well, now, but for real, man, I need to lose some weight. So I'm ready to like start doing some workout. <laughs> so Richie, meet Taylor. Taylor, meet Richie. Some really terrible things. I don't want to <laughs> swallow Vicks vapor rub. What she means is she's going to come rub Vicks in my eyes like pepper spray and make me cry a little <laughs> bit more because she loves torturing men. Yep, there it is. Awesome. <laughs> Y'all definitely connect, Richie, Taylor. I think we're not coming back up to EPM The 11th, I think, is our next workshop up at EPM. So hopefully I'll catch y'all there on the 11th for that 11 o'clock. And then the next event I have overall is on the 10th. We're going to have that at the Buckhead Club doing another veterans, vet club, veteran club at the Buckhead Club. That'll be the next Battle Brews. And then Taylor's actually going to be on the next shop talk with the veteran side, the Atlanta side on the, I think it's the third. We're going to talk about health and wellness and how the mindset feeds forward from the health and wellness piece. So going to have some good conversations coming up. There is one at eight in the morning. Which one is that one and when
2: exactly? I'm supposed to join that one.
0: There is one on the ninth. It's the ninth. It's the Business Builder Workshop. That one is more geared towards the mastermind. I know Vanessa and I were talking, and I think there was some clarity. I owe her an email attached to it. For the mastermind, for the workshop, it's just a half-day workshop really focused on the sales process. In Q4, the business builders as a whole are moving into a quarter focused on sales, sales training you're welcome definitely welcome to come into it but with it being a half day that was one I, I told carp i don't expect y'all to have to show up to if you don't want to because that's more on the business side not the Atlanta side you're welcome to join but it, it makes for a long morning if you're not prepped for it
2: no no that's fine that's fine man Like i'll be there awesome, awesome. To be in there. okay thank you thank you so right. uh, i really appreciate all this man and i appreciate your time man thank you so much
0: Absolutely. Richie, I appreciate you being here. Carly, I appreciate you being here, kicking and screaming and coming along. No,
3: it was great. Thank you so much. I'm really glad I attended. And I'll be at the one on the 10th as well.
0: Nice. They're making you team up with Richie, huh? Yeah, for sure. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Awesome. Well, then I appreciate you too. I look forward to catching y'all in the beginning of January. If y'all need anything from me before then, by all means, hit me up. Let me know. Otherwise, I hope y'all have great holidays Thank you for listening to another episode of the Tactical Leader Podcast. If this episode helped you along your journey of self mastery and has inspired you to do more, I challenge you to head over to myvoicechallenge.com so you can find out how you can discover your voice, claim your independence, and build that thriving business that you've always wanted. Again, that's myvoicechallenge.com.